Find a seat. Hello. All right. Well, I'm going to speak tonight on the, um, on the subject of freedom, and um, we're going to be looking at the, the, the freedom that Jesus claims to bring. Um, freedom is celebrated in the West, isn't it? So we tend to celebrate the fact that we're a free society, um, and that we celebrate freedom of speech. We celebrate the fact that we are free to believe what we want to believe, and that no one forces us to believe a certain thing. We celebrate that, I think, rightly so. Um, we celebrate. <laughs> we celebrate uh, <laughs> freedom, and freedom, especially, I would say, um, in the West, is kind of like an exalted um, concept. And but I want us to maybe just look under the surface a bit and ask the question: Does does having a political system that makes you free to believe whatever you like necessarily lead to freedom? Or can you still be enslaved to certain things even though you, you are under a government that celebrates freedom? I believe that you can. And there's a freedom Jesus, Jesus wants to bring that is on a whole different level from simply freedom of speech, freedom to believe what you want to believe, etc., etc. See, Jesus said this. We've got some slides that are going to be coming up here. If we could get that whole thing rolling, that would be great. Um, Jesus said, if the Son, speaking of himself, sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Jesus there is claiming that if he sets you free, he brings a freedom that goes way beyond just being able to speak when you want to or being able to choose what you want to believe. There's an internal freedom that's going to come that's going to be so free that you will be described as free indeed. Truly free. This is the claim that Jesus brings. But this claim leads to a question. And the question goes something like this, Jesus, by saying that, you're implying that I'm not free. If I'm not free, then what am I a slave to? And biblically, there are three things the Bible states that we are slaves to in our natural state, that we are born slaves to three things. And some of them you may be familiar with, others you may think, I've never really thought of that before, but the, the, we're going to look at the scriptures up there, all the things that come up there from the Bible. And the, the references at the top, that's where you'll find them in the Bible. And I want to just take you on a journey tonight and really just look at the freedom that Jesus wants to bring into your life. Um, if you haven't already experienced that or if you have experienced Jesus, really just so you understand this is what Jesus is about. This is the freedom that he comes to bring. So what are we slaves to? Firstly, the law. Next slide. It says in Galatians, before faith came, that's before we come to know God through faith, before we come into a relationship with God, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Now let's just stop there for a minute. What do we mean by the law? Do we mean like the civil law? You know, you're not allowed to steal cars. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about God's law. You might have heard of it as the Ten Commandments. Um, we're talking about the law that, that God gave to a man called Moses thousands of years ago. And really God says, these laws, these Ten Commandments represent what I'm like. They represent my nature, my character. Here's what I'm like, and here's how I want you to live. I'll read them out to you, just so you understand what these laws are. The first one is this. Have only God 
the creator as your God. You can't make up your own God. Don't just develop your own little system, your own little religion. Only the true God can be your God. Secondly, don't make any images to represent him. So don't make a kind of a, a I don't know, a, a, an animal or a, a, a figure of a person and say this is God. Because every time you do that, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're bringing God down to the level of someone who's just created. Okay? Even if you're saying, well, so sometimes the Israelites, they, there was a time where they built um, uh, some, some calves, golden calves. And they said, this is God. And God was really angry. Why? Well, not because gold isn't nice and not because calves are bad. But because even though they were saying, well, it represents God's strength because they're going to grow into you know, bulls and they're going to be strong. So they were trying to say good things about God. God was saying, no, but by doing that, you've brought me right down to just something created. I'm way beyond that. Okay, so don't make images in God's likeness. The third thing is this, um, don't take his name in vain. So don't just use his name as like a swear word if you hit your thumb with a hammer, you know, don't don't do that. Or just if you're frustrated, frustrated, just, oh my God, don't do that. If you're going to call on his name, then call on it and mean it because his name is holy. The fourth thing is this, which might seem like a weird one, have a day of rest. Have a day of rest. Rest a day a week. You think, why is that a big deal? Well, you see, when God created the earth, he created in six days, on the seventh day he rested. Not because he needed to, but to give us a model of the fact that actually there's something important about us taking a day where we say, it's going to be different this day, I'm not going to carry on doing my normal work. And it's a way of us saying, we can't just by working kind of get everything we need out of life, we need to rest, we need God. It's a way of expressing really the sense that we can't do everything ourselves and that we need him. So it really honours him when we do that. Good, isn't it? <laughs> it's great. Fifthly, honour your parents. Very fashionable, is it, that one? <coughs> honour your parents, even if they're horrible. In fact, it was such a strong thing. In the Old Testament, do you know that dishonouring your parents was punishable by death? <coughs> punishable by death. Wow. I, think, I wonder how many of us would be in this room if those <laughs> laws still applied. Because we actually, we live in a society that encourages dishonouring your parents. Um, next one, don't murder. You think, well, most of you are thinking, okay, that's, that's all right. Problem is, Jesus said this, um, if you're even angry in your heart with someone, you, you really, you, it's the same as committing murder, that's where it starts. Next one, don't commit adultery. So you think, well, okay, I haven't slept with anyone's wife or anyone's husband, you know. Jesus said, if you look lustfully at someone, you commit adultery in your heart. Yeah? Oh, shoot. It's a heart thing. Um, don't steal. So it's talking about things like shoplifting and other stuff, but it's also talking about don't steal the glory from someone else. Don't, if, if, if they deserve the credit, don't try and get the credit for yourself. Don't steal. Don't steal the glory from God. Uh, number nine, don't lie. Don't be a false witness. Don't say something happened if it didn't happen. Don't bend words around to make yourself look like in a better light. Don't do that. And finally, don't covet. Now, covet's an interesting one. Most of you might not even know what that means. It means that you see something someone else has got and you think, I want that. I'm going to get it. Could be their boyfriend. Could be their girlfriend. Could be their car. Uh, could be their status. Could be their popularity. But it gets to you think, now our whole society is built on coveting. The whole advertising industry, a lot of it, is built on the fact, you need this. <laughs> yeah? You're not okay as you are, you need more. You, need, you really need more. You know? And that's really what the whole drive is with the advertising thing. And it can really get you to a place where you're, you're discontent. You know? 
You're discontent because your trainers aren't right. Or, you know, you're discontent because you haven't got this thing and you need it. You need the latest gadget. And so you, the whole of our society really promotes coveting. God says, don't covet. So ho- hopefully through reading through that list, you're understanding why we are kept, held captive by the law. Because really, the law, the law ends up um, leaving us all guilty as charged. You may not be a lawbreaker in a civil sense, but you're a lawbreaker morally. Unless any of you, you know, want to try and tell me that you've done all those things. See, this is God's standard. It's just how wonderful God is. He doesn't do any of those things. He's wonderful. He's morally perfect. But not just in a kind of, you know, people that think they're morally perfect are just annoying, aren't they? You know, they're horrible. You don't want to be around them because you're like, oh, no, you're not. But someone who really is, it's beautiful. Beautiful. They're like, wow, you know. And, yeah, he is. So, so we're, we're captive because we're guilty as charged. We need, to be, we need some, somehow to be set free from the law. Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Second thing, next slide. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, what is sin? It's law-breaking. That's what it is. Anyone who does these things they shouldn't do or doesn't do the things they should do, they're, they're slaves to it. So very often we, 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 we're quite clever. So we look at the things we're slaves to and we work it around and make it out that we're free, for example. So we can't stop losing our temper. And someone says, what, what, you stop losing your temper. And you say, well, I'll do what I like. Yeah? Do it to my freedom. I'll do what I like. So it sounds like freedom. But what's the reality? I can't stop. Well, you shouldn't be envying like that. Well, I can if I want. Yeah, but could you stop? That's not the point. I can if I want. Yeah, but can you stop? Jesus said, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. There's a slavery going on there. If you can't stop turning on your computer and looking at pornography, it's slavery. It's slavery. If you can't stop gossiping and doing that, putting other people down, it's slavery. you're a slave to it. You just, oh, I've done it, I've said it again. Anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So we're a slave to the law, we're captive to the law, because we're under this kind of... And now we're a slave to sin. Man, okay? You're thinking, man, I thought I'd come to church for some good news tonight. I know, I'm sorry. You need to understand the reality of where you're at in order to appreciate the good news. Because then you think, oh, wow, this is amazing. Finally, we're slaves to death. So let's just look at this next slide. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, we, we are made of flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things. He became, the Son of God became a man, flesh and blood. That through death, his death on the cross, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that's the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. There it is again. Yeah? Slavery to the fear of death. We're seeing... Um, the death thing in the headlines big time, aren't we, at the moment, with Jade Goody and everything that she's facing. It's an interesting one to follow, if you read your papers. Very, it's, it is um, really awakening international interest in a remarkable way. And um, everyone seems, you know, they're really for her. Mohammed Fayed giving her from Harrods a most beautiful dress. Jack Straw overruling, you know, the court so that her fiancé can be out past his curfew. And, you know, just amazing sense of rallying around for this woman. But the reality is she's, she, she is um, 
an example, if you like, of where we're all at. But only with her, it's just been sped up by cancer. We're all going to die. Now, we say, well, it's tragic because she's so young and she's got young children, absolutely. But you know what? It's tragic. And it's tra death is tragic. It's not just that it's tragic because she's young. It's tragic. In fact, the Bible says that death is not the part of God's original creation. We'll look at that in a minute. It's an, it's an enemy. And we're slaves to it because we're slaves to death. And we're slaves, well, you know, so what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Like, oh, you can't stop it. You can get as many anti-aging creams as you like. <laughs> You're going to, you know, you will die unwrinkled. Sorry, it sounds harsh. But you, you, Bobby Robson, the ex-English football manager, he is um, currently struggling with cancer for the fourth time. He's beaten it three times. He's about, I think, 77, 78 now. He started a charity to raise, he's raised over a million. And the fight against cancer, which is a, a commendable, commendable thing. Um, but reading the paper yesterday, he said this. He said that... Um, I'll try and find the quote. He said, this is about beating death. And I thought, you're not going to do it. If your charity can raise money for research so that more young people live longer because of, then great, I'm totally for it. But you can't, you can't beat death. It's not simply, it's always just beat death. You can't. No one's managed to yet. How do you beat death? Well, there is a way. But it's, it's not by raising money for cancer. Good though that is, it won't beat death. So I want to look at these things soberly tonight. The fact that we are slave, slaves to the law, captive by it. Slaves to sin. Right, we can't stop committing it. And slaves to the, the sense, to, to some of us to the fear of death. All of us actually to the fear of death. Some of us in a gripping way. <gasps> but others of us in a subtle way. You're just subtle. You don't do certain things. Well, because I might come to harm. And it's the whole thing that you know you're mortal. That's slavery to the fear of death. So we're going to look at being set free from all those things. Jesus claims if the sun sets you free, You'll be free indeed. So are you ready to look at these things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, look. Let's look, at, let's look at the law, okay? We will look at freedom from the law that Jesus brings to us. Okay. Next slide. I want to show you how sin, death, and the law are linked. So as we look at the law, you understand how this, thing's work, how this thing works. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Stop there. The Bible teaches that sin came into the world through Adam. God had said to Adam and Eve, enjoy this garden, eat from whatever tree you like, have a great time, um, just, you know, everything was perfect. He said, don't eat from that one tree though. Um, in the day you do, you'll die. At that point, there was no death in the world. So Paul's saying, sin came into... Just as sin came into the world through one man, okay, so Adam then disobeyed and ate that fruit from that tree, and death through sin. So sin comes in, and hot, hot on its heels comes death, okay? So sin comes in, and death comes after it. Sin ushers death in, okay? If death was never supposed to be in creation. That is why you cry as you do when you lose your loved ones. Even though we know everyone's going to have to die at some point, it pains us on a level that is deeper than logic. Why? Because sin is not part, um, death is not part of God's original creation. It was when sin came in, death came in hot on its heels. Okay? Spread to all men because all sinned. For sin, now it says this, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. What does that mean? I'll tell you. Okay? It means this. 
Sin came in. Sin was in the world before Moses got the Ten Commandments. Okay? Sin was there. But no one really realised they were sinning in a, in, in, a, in a very defined way because what sin, what lo- the law does is that it, gives, it helps you understand, oh, this is sin. When I read out the Ten Commandments, you started going, oh, maybe I am a sinner. Maybe I am a lawbreaker. It highlights the reality of your condition. That's what the law does, you see? But it says, where there's no law, sin isn't counted. You, know, you just think, well, you, know, you, don't, you don't quite know. What does God want me to do? God says, here's the law just so you know. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah? Because you think, oh, mate, now I'm in trouble. Now, you know, it's even worse now. Uh, he's made, made things worse. So the relationship between law, sin, and death is like this. Sin came into the world through one man. Death followed hot on its heels. Okay? And then later, years later, through Moses, God brought the law just so that we would understand, okay, that's what God's like. Right. I need help. Okay? It wasn't so that you could prove how godly you were or right just by doing the Ten Commandments. It was so you could see and realise, oh my goodness, I need help. Okay? So that's how these things work. So how does Jesus then deal with the law? Let's look. Next, next slide. Galatians. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The Bible says that God sent Jesus. Okay? Born of woman, born under the law. So he was genuinely born from Mary Totally believe that, virgin birth, all that, absolutely, yeah, believe it all as historical fact. If, if it's not, the gospel doesn't work. We, I could tell you about that another time, but it doesn't work. So Jesus was born under the law. Now, he didn't have to be. He's perfect man, perfect God. But he decided he would be just like us and identify with us. So he put himself under the law. He did all the stuff he should have done. He put himself under the Jewish law, circumcised on the eighth day. His mum and dad brought um, an offering of turtle doves to the temple. As everything was prescribed, they did it perfectly just so that he could totally be under the law. And then do you know what he did? Check this. He lived the perfect life. People brought a lot of accusations against him, but none of them could stick. None of them could stick. He lived a life that was perfect in God's sight. Everything on those stones, all those commandments I read out earlier, and we were all going, oh no, oh, it's me. Jesus did it perfectly. He was tempted in every way, but didn't sin. So on that sense, he fulfilled the law. Not only that, there's another side to the law. It's a bit tricky, but I'll tell you it. It's this. God says, if you break one of these laws, you're a lawbreaker. If you break the law, then the sentence is death. So, you're all under the sentence of death. So, the law has to be fulfilled in two ways. Number one, living it, living, the, living that perfect life, and then getting, getting, God, getting God's well done. And then the other side to it, and Jesus did that. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He's like, I'm now going to fulfill the other sides of the law, the curse of the law, as if I was the worst sinner that had ever lived. And what he went through was horrendous. I mean, the physical stuff was bad enough. 39 lashes with the, with the, the whip. If any of you have seen The Passion of the Christ, you won't need me to explain. But basically, they wouldn't give you 40 lashes because it would normally kill you. So his back was bare open. Just, just you know, even organs would be visible. He was mocked and scorned and a crown of thorns whacked into his head and jeered at and spat upon his beard. His beard was pulled out. He then had to carry his own cross up a hill, but he obviously couldn't on his back, so someone had to uh, bear it for him. Got to the cross, they nailed his hands and his feet into the, into the wooden cross and then they hoisted him up and then, and then they would jeer and mock saying, if you're the son of God, you know, let yourself come down. Not realising the whole time he deliberately put himself up there so he could fulfil the curse of the law for us. He, was, he didn't deserve it. Lived a perfect life. But now he's fulfilling the curse of the law for you and me who break the law all the time. 
So he's hanging there for us, suffering God's righteous anger at sin, at your sin and my sin, in his body, even though he's perfect. And so Jesus Christ totally fulfills the law. This is what he said he came to do. This is what he promised that he would do. Let's read the next slide. Jesus is speaking here. Don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, to fulfill them. I've come to fulfill it. To live the perfect life and to die the worst death. And then just guess what Jesus says? Jesus says, now come and hide in me. Hide in me. And as you hide in me, then God the Father, when he looks on you and sees you hidden in me, will say, no more charge of guilty against you. You're hidden in the perfect one. You can go free. That's the gospel. Jesus fulfilled the law. So you haven't got to no longer be a slave under it. If you're sitting here and after you heard me with those Ten Commandments, you're thinking, oh no, okay, right, I'm going to go home. New, new resolution. Turn over a new leaf. Give it up. Give it up. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You get yourself in more and more of a pickle. The idea of the law is that you read the tablets of stone and you think, oh my goodness, and it brings you to the end of yourself and you say, is there anyone who can save me? God says, finally you got it. Yeah, Jesus, that's why I gave him. I gave Jesus for you. To fulfil the law for you so you don't have to be a slave to it any longer. So you haven't got to try and show how righteous you are in and of yourself. The Apostle Paul got it. Listen to him speak. Next slide. He 